Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. KFI AM 640. You have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show. Show Andrew Caravella, did I hear you say that six fraternities have pulled out of USC? Yeah. Because they refuse to take sexual assault prevention training? That's correct. Six frats. Like... Well, we don't want to learn about how to protect women. We don't want to learn how to protect, uh, how to prevent being falsely accused. We don't want to learn what alcohol does to a young male's brain or peer pressure. We don't want to learn how to keep women safe. We're going to leave and just keep our past record of sexual assault intact and go forward. Is that what they're saying? Well, so I, actually, I don't I don't know what the fraternities are saying. I, I From a news standpoint, I'd kind of want to get their their side of things because that could be pretty yeah. interesting for the sake of news. I know we should get them on the show. You help me find somebody. Let's talk about this. It just doesn't make sense to me. Instead of like trying to have an image like, yeah, we want to be good citizens on campus. They're like, no, we don't even learn how to be a good citizen. We're out. Wow. Crazy, crazy. Uh, anyway, so I got to get more information on that because I got to get my head around it. All right. As I promised, I want to talk to women. I want to tell you a story. One time I was looking for an apartment with a young female realtor who I'd never met before in my life. She was, I'm going to say, in like her early 30s. And uh, somehow, you know, we're chatting as we're walking down the hall to these apartments. Like, where do you live? Where'd you live before? And she very quickly, as women do, got a little too close to me and started telling me all about her relationship life. And she's like, oh, yeah. And then I met this other moron. And then, you know, I met this other moron. And you know how they are. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. I love men. What the heck? She's assuming that I'm just going to collaborate with her and go, yeah, yeah, they're all jerks, whatever. Um, so I stayed silent. And I should have probably corrected her, but I just stayed silent. I just went to the apartment we're going to. Okay, that's what was going on. Um, but there are women out there who have been mistreated. There are women out there who have been betrayed by men. There are women out there who have been left brokenhearted. Now, I know there are people out there saying, well, those women chose those men. They knew what they were getting into. Uh, I'll take part of that. Then I'll also say that part of male mating strategy is to pretend to be something they're not in order to extract sex or money or whatever from women. So as a result, men have learned how to fake love bomb and women believe it's always authentic. That's why I always advise women to just wait, slow things down, do some assessment. Ladies be you know, doing that too all the time. What's that? Ladies do that too all the time. Yeah, they, they break hearts of men as well. So there we go. Like I said, my motto is, I don't date, I evaluate. Don't date, evaluate. I'm going to have to remember that if I ever do that again. Yeah, hopefully you won't have to. You have a I'm lovely girlfriend, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> You're all good, David. Um, you know, what happens with some of these women, just like men who become women haters, is these women develop this belief system that all men are pigs, losers, they're untrustworthy, they're women haters, um, and then they get to a point now, I do know I was at this point at one point because, you know, through my 30s, I didn't 
know that part of it was my responsibility because I was choosing these men. I was having sex with them too quickly. I was using the strategy, I'll just be kind and nice and be a doormat. And then they'll see that I'm the nice girl and they'll just fall in love with me, which never works, ladies. Men marry B-word women. I mean, women with boundaries. That's what I'm saying. Women who say no. The women who who have very clear rules for life. They like that. Um, it's like being a good, strong mom to them. You know, a relationship is an exchange of care. And the unconscious contract you sign when you meet somebody on a first date is, I'll be your mommy if you be my daddy. In the most infantile way, we place our hearts in the hands of somebody else. And so being a good mom doesn't mean being a doormat, doesn't mean being a love blob. It means being a strong disciplinary mom who's filled with love, but also has clear rules for her household, right? That's how you find a man. But a lot of women get to this point that I got at that was, why do I even need a man? I don't even need one. I have my car. I have my house. I have my clothes. I have my job. I have my friends. I have my volunteer opportunities. I am happy. Now, of course, we do want to reproduce. About 80% of human beings reproduce. And so then comes this idea of what do I do? But here's the biggest problem in women's heads. Women want a kind, sensitive man who can also give them strength and security and sexual dominance. It's crazy. It's like how men have this fantasy. They want a virgin who's a whore in bed. In the same way, women want this nice, sensitive, understanding guy who's going to just go wild with them in the bedroom. Okay, so uh, hold on. Sorry. Uh -huh. The argument to that, <laughs> uh, for, for, yes. for, for what you said for women, they want that. But with guys, they feel like nice guys finish last if they are what that woman wants. Right. It's about finding that balance, isn't it? And in the end, it also comes down to boundaries, saying the word no. Like guys that end up in the friend zone because they're nice, right? Yeah. They're giving more than they're getting back. You always, whatever gender you are, whatever sex of the person you're dating, you have to look for reciprocity. You have to be giving but not more than you're getting. Because at the beginning, it's a game of both people kind of chasing each other and wondering, will I be able to close this deal? Will I be able to get this person? And so they do a dance, a mating dance. And now I hear the people out there going, I don't want to play games. I don't want to do that. You know what? You are here on the planet because your ancestors excelled at the mating game. They have human mating strategy down. You have a superhero of a mater inside you, and they all played the game well. That's why your genes stayed in evolution's chain, and that's why you're here. So it's in there for you. Um, but yes, that's what women want. They want this dichotomy, and men have to find a way to present kindness and boundaries, just like women do at the beginning of a relationship. But I had this fantasy in my head that I would somehow, the way I worded this like kind, nice, strong guy is I would say, I want a benevolent leader. I would think because I'm so strong and I'm so successful and I'm so independent, I want someone who's even more than that, who will lead me, but lead me not to hell, lead me to heaven, a benevolent leader. And that's what I dreamed about, this strong alpha man who would also be kind. There's one person, no, 0.001% of men like that that exist on the planet. Um, so then I tried to go the whole nice guy way. 
And I got this super nice, completely non-ambitious guy who was so, so helpful. And then I learned that his niceness was really low self-esteem. Mm. He didn't believe he deserved me, right? Um, and then I thought about that more and I went, wait a sec. It's not strength that I want in a man. It's higher self-esteem. I just want a guy who likes himself and is comfortable in his skin. You know, at the end of the day, when I met my boyfriend, he was that. Helpful, kind, loving, and says the word no. No, I can't. No, I'm not going to do that. I love it because he's strong and he has enough self-confidence to be able to say that. Women love boundaries too. We do. Yeah. It makes boundaries make people feel safe, Kayla. Even like um, children, right? If you give a two-year-old everything, they just take more tantrums. They need to know where the boundary is. They need to know where the bumpers are in their life. They feel safer. They feel happier, right? Yep. Um, the other thing I want women to do is to start to have more compassion for men. It is so hard to be a man. If women are a little bit messed up in their model of love because they watch their parents fighting or their dad leaving or their dad hitting their mother. They watch, men watch the same thing and internalized it in a different way. When we come back, I want to say more about that. And I also want to talk about how we all could stand to learn to forgive each other more. And there's quite an art to forgiveness. We'll talk about the science of forgiveness as well when we come back. You are listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. KFI AM640, you have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show. We're talking about women who lose faith in men, women who come become bitter and resentful from all the heartbreak. Um, you know, I mean, I hate to say that a few men at the top have ruined it for all the other men. But it's really unfair to spread that feeling around every male. We have the widest range of paternal investment and sexual behavior of any primate species. Some men's investment in their children is nothing more than a teaspoon of sperm. And at the other end of the scale, you've got a baby-wearing, carpool-driving, softball-throwing, doting dad. And sexually, You've got men who are absolutely promiscuous and men who are completely monogamous and everything in between. They're people too. They've been trying to figure out love too. Maybe they missed out on a father figure who would teach them about the values of respecting women. Um, men have been hurt too by what they've witnessed early in life. You know, if you ask a man to tell you about a time they felt rejected by a woman, you are going to be really surprised. First of all, they'll be vulnerable and tell you they all have stories. I don't think you ladies have any idea what goes on in a man's life. Um, it's easy for a woman to just sit around and wait. And I do say this all the time. I go, you have the eggs. The eggs are taking the applications. Sperm chases egg. But we also need to have some compassion for that sperm, or at least the holder of it, the man. Because do you know what it takes to approach a woman? Do you know what it takes to ask for her number? Do you know what it takes to risk that rejection? You know, I'm so proud that men are able to do it. I mentioned earlier that I was on this hunt for a benevolent leader. And when I finally met my boyfriend two years ago, 
I, I realized that what I had become was my own benevolent leader, that my share in the relationship was to have a voice and have boundaries and do some leading, but also be very concerned about his needs and try as best I can to be kind, right? I think the work of finding a good guy, ladies, is in becoming a good woman, putting yourself in their shoes, having lots of compassion for them, while not becoming a doormat, still keeping your boundaries intact. That is the game. Now, all people at one point or another in their lives have experienced hurt by somebody. It may be a close family member in your family of origin. It may be a lover. It may be a friend. And many people hold on to their anger. They hold a grudge. They stay committed to the pain instead of the healing. I want to talk a little bit about the art of forgiveness. You know, there's no shortage of research to show that if you hold your anger, if you're holding that grudge, it's bad for your physical health, right? It uh, Toxic anger contributes to cardiac illness, high blood pressure, stomach ailments, substance abuse disorders, and inability to form and maintain relationships, just to name a few. One study done in 2020 shows that ruminating about past conversations, you know, those ones that go over and over in your head and you're thinking through, well, I should have said this, he should have said that, I wish they said that, da 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 has been found to negatively impact your mental health. So, and it can increase depression and anxiety. So why do we hold grudges? What does the research say? Here's why we hold grudges. Some people have a need for validation. We have this idea that if the other person can apologize or admit they did something wrong, that somehow we'll feel better about ourselves. You know, I have that fantasy. I've been a single mom for 18 years. I'm a survivor of domestic violence. It's a very complicated story. I have forgiven him long ago. I have great compassion for the childhood he had and the life that he had. Um, but I really wish at some point he would thank me for raising his kids. You see, there's that little feeling of validation. If he could see how hard I worked to keep his genes alive, and that's an act of love for him too. Um, other reasons people hold grudges is moral superiority, a sense that they're the better person. So there I am with that fantasy. Well, I did the hard work and the drudgery of motherhood. He got off scot-free, not paying any child support. So therefore, I am the moral superior. Crazy idea. We're all just humans trying to survive and get along. Some people, actually, this, this is not me, hold a grudge because they have an inability to let go. It's their attachment anxiety. In other words, they stay attached through the memories of conflict and pain. I have a friend like this. She is back in court all the time with her ex-husband. If he misses a dime of child support or alimony, she's staying attached through the legal system now. Some people hold grudges because they can't lose their victim identity. They believe that their happiness depends on someone else. And so they get to play the victim to everybody else in the world. Oh, isn't that terrible that happened to you? They can't imagine themselves as a survivor. And the other reason people hold judges or grudges, sorry, is that they don't stay vigilant. They, they fear the future. They think to themselves, if I don't stay vigilant about how I was harmed, it might happen again. So what can we do to actually practice forgiveness? 
Um, the research shows that people who are best able to forgive are those who are most authentic. And believe it or not, those who have been through the most stress in their life. Uh, researchers call this the post-traumatic growth effect. You know, when I had those moments, and I, I remember one specifically where I was standing in a grocery store with a screaming two-year-old in the cart with meltdown tantrums and a cart full of groceries and every credit card I had declined. And at that moment, and you know, dad had disappeared long ago. And at that moment, all I could think is, oh my God, I'm a woman of means. I can find a way to get the money to cover this. Yeah, I'm embarrassed at this moment. I got to put the food back. I can call my bank. I can find a way, take out a line of credit off this. There's things I can do. And I thought to myself, what about the single mothers out there who can't do that, right? I, my heart grew with compassion because of my pain. All right. When we come back, I want to give you the four steps to forgiveness, and I'm going to take your calls and your social media questions. The phone number is 1-800-520-1KFI. That's one 800 520 Producer Kayla is going to scoot into the studio now, and she's going to uh, take your calls. Um, and I'm going to go to social media. My handle everywhere is at Dr. Wendy Walsh. I know if you're shy, you can post a, a question there. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about how we can all learn to forgive better. You're listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh show on KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. KFI AM 640. You have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh show. In a moment, I'm going to be taking your calls. The phone number is 1-800-520-1KFI. That's 1-800-520-1534. But first, I want to just close my little spiel on forgiveness because too many of us are holding on to resentment. Resentment is like drinking poison and hoping somebody else will die. It hurts us. It hurts us physically. It hurts us emotionally. So how do we forgive? We start by forgiving ourselves. Be vulnerable and authentic. And when you're looking back at the situation, I want you to reframe it as an important lesson that you learned instead of something that beat you down. I want you to think of yourself as a survivor, not a victim. Very important that you get out of the victim mentality. And finally, this is really helpful. Have compassion for the person who hurt you. This doesn't mean completely letting them off the hook. It means letting the hook get out of you. So if your brain can understand that they're a human being, that they went through hard times, that they have their own version of what happened, and you can let it go. Because at the end of the day, your mental health is what is important. And we all need to learn to forgive so that we can go on and trust again in the future. All right. I'm taking your calls and going to social media, 1-800-520-1KFI. Who do we got on the line there, David? Or we Kayla? got Who's Donna. There? Oh, we got Donna. Hi, Donna. It's Dr. Wendy. Donna, are you there? Hello. Hi, Donna. Can you hear me? Hello. It's like a, a bad Verizon commercial. Hey, Donna. It's Dr. Wendy. How can I help you? Hello. 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 I don't think she. I don't think she hears me. What's your question, love? Okay, while well, we're trying to hook her up, let's go to Linda. 
Hi, Linda. It's Dr. Wendy. Hi, um, Dr. Wendy. How are you? Good. What's your question, love? Yeah, I was, I've been dating this guy for about three months, and um, I realized he's not a very nice person. He's, he's oh. really nasty sometimes. He's very snippy and short-tempered. But we have amazing interactions, like when we're together, and it's just it's awesome. And I just wanted to know, should I move forward with that, or should I just leave that alone? Okay. So before we begin, I want to remind you that I don't have a license to practice therapy, and this sure isn't therapy. I'm a psychology <laughs> professor, and I've been, I have a lot of life wisdom, though, having been through this okay. kind of stuff. <laughs> and I guess the first thing I want to say is, it sounds, when you say you have amazing interactions, Linda, describe those mm-hmm. for me. What's great about him? When we're, when we're talking, we just click on another level, and it's great, and I just feel so understood. And um, when we're going out, it's fun. When we're together intimately, it's amazing. But, like, certain things about them, it's just, I don't know, they're like red flags. It's just Okay, so now let's talk about the red flags. To who is he snippy and nasty to? You? Um, sometimes me. Sometimes people in, like, restaurants. Oh. People that he just meets, like, on random places. He's just, it's just, I don't know, it's jarring to see him so rude people and mean. That is a big red flag because that's often right. indicative of a kind of, you know, like a narcissism, like they think they're better right. than everybody else and they don't have empathy. And right now, remember, right. he's being on his best behavior. You've only been seeing each other three months. So my right. bit of advice is not to dump him, is to explore mm-hmm. what's going on. So the next time he says something snippy or nasty, don't be silent. Mm-hmm. Say something like, right. hey, that didn't sound fair. Or that might have hurt that person's feelings and see how they respond when you've sort of commented on what's going on. Um, I think that's the first step because you're in the just getting to know stages and you might learn something about somebody by doing that. Uh, Okay, thanks for calling, Linda. Should we try to get Donna back? Yeah, we could try that. Okay. Hey, Donna, it's Dr. Wendy. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you, doctor. Wonderful. What's your question, love? Well... I have two sisters, and I don't have a very good relationship with them. Oh. And um, I <laughs> I don't know what to do to try to resolve it. I, um, I'm i the older one. They're younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the most part, I took care of my parents, and um, they're mad at me. <laughs> my The siblings are mad mad at me or unforgiving for me or accusing me of, you know, just not and not talking to me. So what are they accusing you of? Well, the one, which is funny, she bought me a phone uh, Mm -hmm. on my birthday, but Mm -hmm. now she only says, I will only text you or communicate to you by mail. Hmm. So, I don't understand that. If you don't want to talk to somebody, why would you buy them a phone? Well, she's trying to control her communication with you. She's saying, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to be close to you, but I want to control this situation. You know, I teach developmental psychology, and generally I find that when there's sibling rivalry, especially sibling rivalry that goes all the way into adulthood, it is usually because... There was not enough parental attention to go around. So the parents weren't evenly 
giving their love. And when the kids are fighting for the smallest piece of the pie, which is their parents' love and attention, they start to go at it with each other. And so it's interesting you tell me that you took care of your parents. And I would like to think on some level that maybe, just maybe, they feel envious of the fact that you got to you got to have that amount of time with the parents, even if there are logical reasons why they couldn't, if they lived in another city, had their own kids, whatever, whatever. Um, and then um, I just find it fascinating that they give you a phone and say, but I'm only going to text or email. Um, that's basically saying that somehow they're feeling controlled by you or smothered or engulfed and they have to keep like a sense of self. They want to keep a contact with you, but they want to control how it's done. I mean, the answer is always to comment on it and ask in a very loving way and try not to be judged. Try to get to the feelings underneath instead of the behavior. Uh, but thanks for calling, Donna. Okay, so uh, should we go to social media? We have a bunch piled up here. They're coming in like crazy. Oh, we got to go to break already. Okay. When we come back, I'll also be taking your calls. The number is 1-800-520-1KFI. You're listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. KFI AM 640. You have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show. I have a PhD in clinical psychology. I'm a professor of psychology at Cal State Channel Islands. I don't have a private practice, but I have a lifetime of wisdom, and it is always my honor to weigh in on your love lives. So let me go to social media because I know these are tender topics and people just fly into my, slide into my DMs with all their questions. So let's get there. Uh, dear Dr. Wendy, I will be filing for divorce this week. Any healing tips? I'm at my last point in my life, mother of five. I can't keep myself strong anymore. First of all, sorry, you're going through this. Let's stop and think for a moment. Why do you need to be strong at this point? Obviously for your kids a little bit. Um, you know, there's some research out there from UCLA that shows that when women are encountering great stress, one of the things they do to relieve their stress is they tend and befriend. So if I could give you any personal advice on what you should do, it is simply focus on those five children. Let them know that their parents both love them. Let them know that they will always be there for them. What's interesting is as we console kids, our own brain listens. And that is the thing that helps us heal and feel better. So I'm sorry you're going through this. Um, it sounds like if you're divorcing when you have five kids, it's a, you know, been a very, very stressful time. I hope your kids are older. Uh, I don't know the ages of the kids. Um, just know that it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time to heal. I definitely would not jump into another relationship, especially with kids. I would focus on the health of those children. Uh, oh, what is it? Divorce season? Look at the next one. Hello, Dr. Wendy. I'm terrified of starting over. Oh, my husband and I are ready for divorce. We don't have the same love language. We have three kids and I have nothing. I'm not sure where to start or what to do. Of course, I need more information on I have nothing because usually divorce starts, if anybody else is listening, two to five years before divorce happens, where people get in shape, they stash money, they make plans, they build their social network, etc. cetera. Um, starting over is scary. But the biggest thing I learned from having days of somewhat poverty, uh, living in a studio apartment with two kids when they were little, is that you need to get over any public shame. 
any idea that you think that you need to have a certain size of place or certain design or whatever, you need to totally get over that. And you need to just focus on have at the sort of the investment in yourself of solitude and calmness. Um, I know it is scary. There are like-minded people out there. There's also affordive, affordable therapy. I want to stop and do another commercial for therapy. If you call any university that has a psychology graduate program, they have um, therapists that are supervised, that work on sliding scales, and sometimes the sessions are as little as $10. So um, anyway, I, I want you guys to take what, you know, any feeling that comes to you during this divorce is okay. It's going to be a wild ride, but you're going to get to the other side of this. Focus on your kids and their mental health. That's the most important. Uh, okay. Hi, Dr. Wendy. I love watching your videos online, uh, and I'd love to be that way with men. I assume she means with boundaries. Uh, I just seem to get the worst of them and my recent one was a catfish. Ooh, that's somebody pretending to be somebody else online, and I'm lonely. I let myself believe it was real, but it was odd that he would never accept a plan or a time to meet me, and he would change the subject and would never even give me his phone number out online. A friend showed me the screen. I, I, I showed a friend a screen messages, and she said right away, he's fake. He's foreign. Look, his misspelling, the bad English. I had not even realized until she saw it. Um, okay. I want to explain this to everybody. It is nobody's fault if you get swindled by somebody online. Feelings of love, particularly for women, but also for men, cause the prefrontal cortex, the rational brain, to not function as well. There's a positive side to it. Creativity increases during feelings of love. And so it's easy to get sucked into this belief system. My advice for you and people like you that fall in love quickly and don't have enough information and don't see the red flags is to, instead of looking for the good points and the compatibility in this person, you have to be looking for the bad points right away and you can't fall in love with hope. You can't, you can't rationalize and justify, well, you know, I know they didn't call for a week, but they were really busy with work. No, if somebody wants to meet you, they want to meet you. And they get together right away and they call you and they pursue you and they make it happen. If that isn't happening, you have to jump away. You can't sit there being in love with the feeling of longing. For people like that, love and longing are intertwined. And so when they're feeling that deep feeling of longing, they believe that is love. So I want you to focus on the bad. Catch them being bad. Very early on. Now, that's not for everybody because there are other people out there who the, somebody does the littlest thing wrong and they just get rid of them. But you're, that's not the problem we're addressing here. We're addressing the problem of people fall, who fall in love too fast and move too fast. Uh, okay. Do we have time for one more before we go to break? Yes, one more. Hi, Dr. Wendy. My name is, uh, oh, I can't say the name. I recently came out of a four-year relationship. Our relationship was okay, but I was very unhappy for the most part. I didn't realize until after the breakup. That's what happens. You get into a good life and you're like, whoa, that was actually pretty bad. Um, I also found out that I'm anxiously attached and I suspect my partner is avoidantly attached. Of course, we had amazing times, but I struggle to not blame myself for the failed relationship. 
if only I was a bit more secure, patient, loving, caring, and sensitive, maybe it would have been better. The reason he broke it off is because I was asking too many questions and because he said he'd never feel like he was good enough for me. Was it my attachment style that prohibited me from seeing all the good in him? Now, of course, I can only see the good in him. All right, only you and your therapist can figure this out, right? I mean, it looks like you've done a lot of reading online. Maybe you read the book attached, kudos for you, get some self-help, but only you and your therapist can figure out. But this self-blame piece, I don't particularly like to hear because it takes two to tango every time. And no, no one person is completely responsible. He signed up for this. From the beginning, you demonstrated your uh, need for care, your need for contact, your need for questioning, and he did not work to calm you down. See, if you met somebody who had a secure attachment style, they'd say, babe, I'll call you every time I get home. Will that help you feel better? You good, right? It's okay. You're cute when you're anxious like that. It's okay. I'm here. We're good. And you just calm down after a while. So it takes two to tango and you trigger each other. But I highly suggest because I, through therapy, healed my own anxious attachment style. Actually, I was anxious ambivalent. So I'd be like anxious, but I'd be so cool. No one would know. I'd just be dying inside. Ah. Um, okay. Uh, when we come back, I want to answer one more question from online because I think it's pretty important. And I also want to talk to married couples. Have you been gaining weight in your relationship? That may not be a bad thing. I'll explain. Also, are you doing some secret splurges, spending money behind your spouse's back? I have research on that too. You're listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.